Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get going, I want to take a moment to tell you about some exciting news for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans. With coverage from reporters Todd Millis and Andy Bueller, me, Dan Dickow, SB Live's recruiting expert, this SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Out from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Bleed Podcast Network. Right back to it after our March Madness Rewind series where we brought you conversations with lots of former college players who had experiences and memories in the NCAA tournaments or college coaches. Now that we're right back into the mix, we're staying on that college basketball coaching theme. Today's assistant coach from one seed hate to bring that up because they unfortunately didn't make a deep run in the ncaa tournament like expected but uh, assistant coach with the one seed illinois fighting illini assistant coach stephen gentry stephen a little bit disappointing i'm sure how the season ended up but all in all um you know during a covid impacted season with everything that that went on uh what are your takeaways from this past season no, I mean, I think we had, you know, a, a terrific season all in all. It was a big jump, you know, forward for, you know, our program, um, you know, a program that hadn't been into the NCAA tournament at all um, in a number of years. And to make that that big jump, um, you know, to get into the tournament as a number one seed, um, we won the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, we had 12 quad one wins, which led the entire country. So, yeah, no, we, we accomplished a lot and it was a big, big step forward, um, you know, for our program. Um, like you said, was was disappointing. But um, to me, I think part of the growth of our program is actually going through kind of that that agony of the tournament and kind of maybe relaying it, um, you know, into the Gonzaga community. It kind of reminded me of just that Wichita State loss, you know, where Gonzaga was a one seed and. And, and, you know, went up against kind of a tough and gritty Wichita State team. That's what I would compare it to. So 
to me, it's just another hurdle and another step in terms of us evolving the program here. That's a great comparison that that Gonzaga Wichita State series because Wichita State, um, if you fast forward in a couple of years, there was a couple pros on that team. Um, now I don't know if Loyola Chicago has pros like that Wichita State team, but they were the best statistically uh, speaking defensive team in the country. They controlled pace. They did a really nice job of not allowing. Um, your guys to get out and play in a comfortable style. Um, if we talk about your style, though, uh, Coach Brad Underwood is is at tremendous success at a few different places. You've coached with him for for a number of years at Stephen F. Austin, at Oklahoma State, now at Illinois. What makes your guys's philosophy um, work, and what what do you really try to emphasize? Right, and I think that's probably maybe the biggest credit I could give Coach Underwood is his willingness to really really adapt. Um, around his personnel. If you were to go back and watch our teams from Stephen F. and really even Oklahoma State, um, we look completely different. Um, in the past, we were a high-pressure, deny, turn you over, turn you over type team. Um, and then we ran a pinch post offense. Um, now we're a pack line oriented team. Um, we do a drop coverage and all ball screen. So we're really, really conservative defensively. Um, and then on the offensive end, we've, we've kind of morphed in kind of a, a Gonzaga style. Um, we play really, really up-tempo, and we set a, a bunch of different ball screens and kind of mess with the, the defense with some different ball screen concepts. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from, from Coach Underwood is his willingness to um, adapt and grow um, and evolve. But we're, we're completely different. I mean, again, if you turned on that film from Stephen F. and you turned on film from Illinois from this year we are we are pretty much 100% different well you talk about pick and roll uh options in in packages that you could run you guys had one of the best if not the best point guard in, in college basketball this past season Ayo DeSunmo uh when you are recruiting a player like that uh in imagining and envisioning how they're going to fit into the things that you want to do um what are the key attributes to their game that you look at and then how do you because uh, I know everybody has to sell their program and their vision, but how do how do you do that as an assistant coach uh, with your program? Yeah, I mean, I think our our style of play is one that players really want to play. In. You know, we play really, really fast. Um, you know, the last two seasons, we've been top 10 in the country in transition offense. Um, this past season, we were top 10 in ball screen efficiency. So I think that's something that really stands out. Um, for players today um, in recruiting is, is the style of play. And if it's one that's going to help them grow um, into a potential pro um, someday, um, I think our development program's terrific here, um, much like Gonzaga's um, in terms of, you know, really, really um, developing players in our system. Um, and I think we've got a really, really strong culture here um, that we've really developed in my two years here and coach Underwood's four years, but it was actually kind of reverse recruiting for IO in terms of making those changes. Um, you know, when IO was here his freshman year, um, we ran that pinch post offense. I wasn't a part of the staff yet, but it was more of reverse engineering. And it was like, what style is actually going to work best around IO? And um, I've actually got up on my whiteboard um, is, hey, design an offense that that is in line with your player's strengths. And so that's where we really went back to um, the drawing board and we actually again reverse engineered and built our offense around io and around kofi and what would really fit with with those two 
you know, I really like how you put that kind of reverse engineer because so many times coaches, uh, you'll see it at all levels, high school, you know, college or even the pros like, hey, this is my system. This is what we do. Well, if you're recruiting and you find a kid that's a great fit, maybe geographically or, or um, they want to be at your school and they're good enough, you got to kind of t- tweak things no to make it well, work. Dan, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I specifically remember a conversation, you know, you'd always, when I was hanging around you and, and Bankhead and Fox, you'd always kind of pick my brain on, on, you know, basketball stuff and test me. And I still remember you asking, like, hey, if, if you're a coach someday, what, what system would you run? And I remember I said, it depends on my players. And you said, good answer. <laughs> so uh, I still remember that, uh, that conversation. But I mean, I think you definitely need to have a, a, a system and a way of doing things. But um, you got to be adaptable. Um, you got to be able to change and tweak and, and, and play to your, your player strengths. And I think that's, you know, those are the best coaches in today's games that, um, you know, are willing to adapt around their personnel. You've got a unique background and story of, of getting into coaching. Uh, you were around the Gonzaga program. You became a walk-on. You became a part of that program for a few years before you truly got into coaching. But you grew up um, in, in the middle of the country in Kansas. I believe it was Fort Scott, Kansas. Most walk-ons kind of stay in their geographic region. If you look at Gonzaga's walk-ons, most of them are from the, the Washington or Oregon area. Uh, what? kind of appeal to you about Gonzaga of traveling halfway across the country and, and trying to become a part of the program? Yeah, I just remember when I was in high school, you know, it was when the Zags were first going on those runs. And I just just remember those magical runs, you know, with <clears throat> with Casey and Matt and Richie and then, you know, you the next year. And um, I don't know, it just kind of became my, my dream school. Um, I wasn't afraid to go a little bit further away from home. And um, I wanted to go to a smaller Jesuit school, a, a basketball school, and um, I always knew I wasn't going to play play, but I always knew I wanted to coach, and so I thought it'd be important to, you know, go to the best possible program I, I could, and to me, it just checked checked all the boxes and was willing to kind of take, um, you know, a, a, a leap of faith, and um but as much as they were my dream school, I wasn't exactly their dream player. I remember I came on my visit and um, the, uh, the counselor admissions told me I'd never make the team. Um, Tommy told me I'd never make the team. Um, and Tommy actually on the last day of the visit pawned me off to an assistant at Whitworth. So um, <laughs> as much as I wanted to go there, I don't think they really wanted me. But um, no, I kind of just kind of willed myself onto the team. And, and again, that that opportunity um, not only did I learn so much from from being around such great players and coaches but that opened up my next opportunity with the with the Miami Heat and then all of a sudden uh, you know my career was taking off well I know that when my career ended at at the college level and I was preparing for the NBA draft you were instrumental when I was in Spokane of of working me out and and being uh, kind of a sounding board on some things. And I could tell that you had a passion and, and uh, a definite desire to be a coach, but also a coach that looked at the details um, because of the workouts that we had. You, to go to the Miami Heat, though, you learn a whole new level of, level of detail work, uh, attention to the minor, minor things that make a huge difference. You were a video coordinator with them for a couple of years um, working under Eric Spolstra as kind of he was progressing the ladder, working under Pat Riley. What was that experience like? Because 
as a video coordinator, I think you learn the game and personnel better than anybody else. No, it, you, I couldn't have asked for a, a better opportunity um, right out of college. I mean, obviously, it was a completely different um, organization going from you know college to the NBA. Um, but I'll never forget. Um, it was my first day of work, um, you know, with the Miami Heat, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a good impression. I'm gonna get there really early, you know, and show them that I'm, I'm a hard worker and really serious about my internship here." And so I'm um, I'm crossing Biscayne Bay. Um, it was like 6.15 in the morning and I get a phone call and it's the, the head video coordinator. He's like, where are you? I'm like, oh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm on my way to work. Like almost kind of like bragging, you know, you know that I'm going to beat everyone in. He's like, hey, we've been in here for an hour already. Like, where are you? Um, so it was just, uh, just sheer work ethic um, that I learned from, from Spo, um, another WCC alum and, and Coach Riley. Um, but you're right. I mean, just the attention to detail on everything um, within that program was just unbelievable. And I'll never forget. Um, it was like my third day there. And, and Spo came in and was like, hey, Shaq and D-Wade are having this big debate on which, you know, state produces the best high school talent. I'm like, what are you like for football? I'm like, what? Like, and so Spo, to settle the debate, had me do this like long research project to figure out which state produced the best football town. But like, that's that organization, right? Like if they're going to make a decision, um, they're going to put a ton of work and, and leave no stone um, unturned. I, I just couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to, to learn video, to learn analytics, to learn player development. I mean, it was just an incredible experience. Have you ever had a pair of sunglasses that you've lost and become frustrated you lost them, that were scratched, or just quite frankly didn't fit very well? Well, look no more. Canon sunglasses are the best. I repeat, the best. You will not be disappointed in Canon sunglasses. They are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made to be clearer, lighter, and stronger. They're also Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So you add the lenses and the frames to create a powerful sunglass combo. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon, clearly better. That's awesome. So you spent a number of years there, and then you go back to the college game. Um, uh, was that difficult knowing that, you know, a lot of people uh, view the NBA as the peak, but some people's passion lies in college basketball. What was that decision like for you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I missed the college game. Um, I missed the family atmosphere. Um, you know, you know, the, the NBA style is just obviously a little bit more professional, you know, families aren't around as much, not as much interaction. So I just really missed that, that family atmosphere that I experienced so well at, at, at Gonzaga. But, it was also just opportunity. Um, you know, at the end of the summer, I, I wanted to stay on with the Miami Heat, but it didn't look like there'd be an opportunity. 
So I was exploring all options at that point, whether it was within the NBA or, or college programs and, and had the opportunity to, to latch on with Coach Turgeon um, at, at Texas A&M, a coach I had a, a, a ton of respect for because um, I was coming up. He was at Wichita State. Um, so it always followed his teams. Um, but then it was funny. The day I, uh, I got the offer from Texas A&M, I, I got an offer from Miami um, as well. And so that was kind of a funny story. The Miami Heat people always tell me I'm the only person that's had to walk into Coach Riley's office and tell him I'm, I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, it was, um, I just, it, was, it was more just a, a lifestyle and uh, decision and, and just kind of getting back into the college game, which I'd missed. I had no idea you had to walk into Coach Riley's office and tell him you're leaving. Uh, I, I remember my pre-draft year going to workouts all over the place, and that was one of the few kind of executives uh, that I was kind of like kind of on pins and needles during a meeting, like answering questions and like, I hope I answer this the right way because there's an aura about Pat Riley, and there was oh, an aura no. about how he ran things that, that was definitely – it could be intimidating. Oh, there's no question. I think the most I've ever been starstruck is, is, is coach Riley. Again, he just has this aura. I mean, that's, that's the perfect word. Um, but also just Shaquille. I mean, just seeing Shaq for the first, I mean, that's like probably the most I've been starstruck is, is coach Riley and, and Shaq. Well, you get back to the college game. You spend a little bit of time at, at Texas A&M. Uh, you latch on with uh, coach Underwood at Stephen F. Austin but you have a chance to come back to Gonzaga in Spokane. Uh, you worked a couple of years as director of ops, um, which is not is, is a little different than what most people think of as a college coach. You're breaking down film. You're looking at all the different analytics. You're, you're looking at everything, but you can't be on the floor coaching. How difficult of a role is that for somebody whose passion is to be on the court coaching? Yeah, it, it is, um, you know, because I think, as coaches, you, you want to have um, that bond with players, right? And you want to have that, that interaction and, and be able to teach. Um, that was probably the biggest thing I missed is just working with a player, even just like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, on, on the court and helping them um, improve. But for me, it was almost like a blessing in disguise because I, I, I had my hands on so many different areas of the program, um, even just logistically, even just doing travel and, and camps. And so I felt like it helped me really grow. Um, and see all facets of the program but because I wasn't on the court um, directly it, it really allowed me to take a step back and really observe um, you know really observing coach few and and Tommy and B Mike and at the time Donnie you know and just really taking a step back and you know learning from them and then it's funny it, it, it it's funny why how things work out but um, a lot of the changes that we made here at Illinois the last two seasons, again, kind of back to our initial conversation in terms of going pack line um, to becoming ball screen based. I mean, when it was my time to actually teach um, and install those things here, I really relied on that experience at Gonzaga. I just did, um, you know, especially Coach Few and Tommy, how they would install things and teach things and how they'd see it and break it down. Um, so it was frustrating at times, no doubt, but I think just an, another opportunity for me to really grow. So you spent time around some really good coaches. Obviously, we talked about uh, Spolstra and Riley in Miami. We talked about Coach Few a little bit, Coach Underwood, Turgeon. Uh, what separates um, a good coach from a bad coach or maybe uh, a coach that doesn't realize or, or exceed um, maybe their expectations or their talent level? 
Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things is, and, and I've learned this because because all those coaches are so different, right? Um, I, I think the best thing that the great coaches do are is to coach their personalities, you know, and, and be themselves. Um, and I think that's why I learned that so many different systems and styles are effective. But if if, if you're yourself and, and coach towards your strengths, um, you know, I think that that really shines through to the players. And um, I think players, as you know, like players can quickly see through if you're a fraud or if you don't really believe in what you're doing. Um, so I'd say coach towards your personality. Um, and I think just the best, they just have an ability to connect with players. Um, and whether that's um, competence, you know, really, really knowing your stuff, um, being able to connect with a player that way, or just being a, a great relationship guy. Um, but I think especially in today's age, you've got to be able to connect um, with these players and, and players from various backgrounds, right? Um, so I think, yeah, someone, the best coaches coach towards their personality and can really connect with, with their players. Last question before I let you go. I know uh, with the transfer portal approaching 1,300 players, I I'm sure there's lots of conversations that you have to have, maybe some presentations um, throughout the week. Um, every coach, I'm sure, wants to become a head coach. Um, you know, guys in our kind of uh, age range that we were around at Gonzaga, Kyle Bankhead is, is starting to think along the lines of being a head coach in, in the near future. What is that thought process like for you? Is that your end goal? Um, and then what, where do you feel you must improve for when the time is right? Yeah, I mean, if that opportunity presents itself, would, would, would certainly dive all in. It's, it's not one I'm, I'm seeking out. Um, currently, I'm just trying to really, you know, grow as a coach and, and help grow this, this program here. Unfortunately, that's not how a lot of people in this business think. They're always thinking about the next step and the next step and, and what to do there. But I've tried at all my stops just to really be present, you know, and have both feet in wherever, wherever I'm at, whether I'm, you know, a video coordinator at AM or um, director of operations at Gonzaga, just to really be all in at all my spots. But I think I've tried to prepare myself every day as if I really am the head coach um, and really take my role serious. Um, I've worn every hat um, within an organization except the head coach, but I think um, how deliberate I've been and, and how serious I've taken each of those roles will possibly help me um, if that time does become um, available. But um, to me, I mean, I think I've just got to keep growing in, in, in the business in terms of kind of even just the little stuff, you know, um, you know, how to, how to run a locker room, how to get a locker room connected, um, how to deal with boosters and alumni and, and media and things like that. I mean, that's probably the biggest area, you know, that I need to continue um, to grow. Well, I appreciate the time. It's been, uh, it's been fun uh, to follow you in, in your coaching path. Obviously we're friends and we, we talk um, all the time through text message in different ways. I follow your teams. I, I enjoyed watching Illinois this year. Um, I, I'll put this out there. I had you guys in the final four and you kind of really, you hurt my bracket. I will say that, but I was pulling for you. I will be pulling for you guys next year. Uh, I know we'll stay in touch and uh, appreciate you joining as a guest on the ISO. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Dan.
The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.